Boy, I'm just glad he knows my voice. It's a special thing when somebody recognizes your voice. But it's beyond description when he recognizes your voice. That when you call, he says, there's my child. (laughs) You mothers know that your children, if you had more than one child, they have distinct voices. And no matter who they are, when they go to talking or crying, you, you recognize them. And they come to your aid. Ain't you glad God gave us the ability to call on him and have direct access? That I don't have to go through an earthly priest to communicate to a heavenly God. That I, I, we believe, uh, according to the word of God and what we call the priesthood of the believer, that now because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I have direct access to the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the Bible says, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find help in time of need. Can somebody rejoice with me over that this morning? He hears your voice. He knows your trouble. And I'd like to say to you what the Lord said, the angel said to Daniel, that he heard you the first time. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been praying a long time over some things and it seems like trouble persists. Let me tell you something. He heard you the first time. You say, well, why is it taking so long? Well, that's between you and the Lord. But let me tell you something. He always has a plan, and he can always be trusted. Never forget that, church. Amen. Oh, thank God for his presence this morning. Open your Bibles with me. Try to be obedient to the Lord to... uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I want to ask you to stand, but I want to do it like as if we was in a courtroom. So on my cue, I want you to stand. All rise for the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the honorable and majestic, the judge of all judges. Jesus Christ. Amen. How'd you like that? Amen. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. Can I just say one thing before we read the scripture? I, I just want to thank my friend, Brother Alan, and his wife, Miss Wanda. They drove two and a half hours to be with us this morning. Would y'all welcome them to the house of God? Amen. Uh, Brother Allen is a professional dog trainer, and his wife is a professional husband trainer. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Uh, Amen. So anyway, good to have you all this morning. 1 Peter 4, verse 17, and for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us. What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, you might say barely, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? My focus is the first part of verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And the title this morning is Order... Order in the church. Thank you, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
You know, uh, some weeks back, the Lord began to stir in my heart to preach on order. And I thought my next segment of the series, after having done the, uh, the original order, the order of creation, and then having done the, uh, some messages on the order of the family, that I might uh, go in historical order of the institutions that God established. And uh, we know that we had governments technically before we had the church. Uh, but the Lord wanted me to do the church before I deal with societal order. Because who knows uh, this morning that the church is, is to, or at least should be, a major instrumental part in correcting societal wrongs. Amen? Yeah. I mean, we're here to be salt and light. Would you disagree with that? Amen. The Lord wants to heal this world through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's his ultimate goal. That's his ultimate mission. But before we can heal the church, we must be healed ourselves. I mean, the world, rather. Before we heal the world, we, we must be healed ourselves. And that's why I believe the Bible makes a particular emphasis on this phrase, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And I do believe that more now than ever, the church needs to be extremely cautious not to get out of order with the word of God. Though I would not blame all of the world's woes on the broken system that we call organized religion, I would lay some of the blame at our feet for the simple fact that should we do our job like the scriptures teach us, the world would be a better place. And so due to dereliction of duty, a lot of what we see today in the world is a direct result of lack of commitment, lack of faith, lack of focus, lack of obedience to the very Word of God from we, the people that call ourselves the children of God. And so we must seek to be able to practice what we preach. We must seek at all costs to be honest and truthful and trustworthy and not to be hypocritical and to preach one, th one way one day and then live another way the next day. And I, so I do say that there is some issues today that could be resolved in the world should the church of the Lord Jesus Christ all around the world get in order with the Word of God. And if you look up the word judgment here, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, you will know that, that uh, it comes from the Greek word krima, and it means of uh, one of the many definitions, which I believe is most suited for the context of this verse, means a decision for or against. You know, we like to blend the lines nowadays. We like to blur the lines so that we avoid offending people. And so we take often, because it's human nature, we often seek the path of least resistance, even at the expense of the truth of God's Word sometimes. We, I say, generally speaking. I pray that that never becomes us. We must always caution against the temptation of seeking selfish ease in replacement of the pure Word of God being held 
in high esteem. Because if we do not hold ourselves accountable to the Word of God at the church house, who else is going to do it? I will even make a case momentarily that if you learn to judge yourself out of the Word of God like you're supposed to, then you won't have to face God's judgment on Judgment Day. You're already given the rules. You're already given the instructions. You're already given the assignment. It's kind of like uh, when a teacher gives a, a, what do they call it, a practice test before the, uh, for the real test. And I remember when I was in high school, oftentimes the practice, I mean, I guess we had so many struggling students that the practice test was identical to the real test. Amen. Can I tell you something? You will not be judged for anything on Judgment Day that is already not forewarned in Scripture. He has given you an identical replica of what you will be judged by. So if we stand before God and we're judged for our wicked deeds, we are without excuse. Especially those who claim to be Christians and those who are members of alleged Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-practicing churches. But many times we get out of order with the Word of God and things begin to crumble. And I want to really just set the tone for this probably going to be a two or three part series on order, order in the church. The first thing that we need to recognize, as is in our text, is that the time is now. The Bible said, for the time is come. Ah, uh, let me make a statement here that I want you to think about. When today is ignored, tomorrow is wasted. Think about it. Many times we ignore the problem today. Well, we will deal with that at a more convenient time. I know that there's issues in the church that need to be addressed, but let's just wait a little while. And let's just see if we can't find a more favorable time or a more favorable circumstance or a more favorable vote. Come on, church. And while we're kicking judgment down the road, God is saying the time is now. If we don't get things straightened out and flying right, right here, right now, in the moment, we are not promised in tomorrow and we are forfeiting possibly the opportunity of ever getting it right because we keep kicking the problems down the road rather than facing them headlong. Do you know, we, and I, I don't, I don't want to get off sidetracked here, but it's just for an illustration. That's one of the reasons our government is in such a fiscal mess right now because nobody's willing to do what it takes to address the issue and fix the problem. So they just keep kicking the can down the road and one day it's going to all collapse because nobody had the courage to fix it today. Amen? Just as in government, so in church reason a lot of churches are drying up and dying out is because problems uh, popped up and people started running church with politics. People started running church uh, with uh, religious ideas that had nothing to do with scriptural mandate. People started running church uh, uh, for any number of reasons that you can imagine. And next thing you know, God's nowhere to be found. And we, th we can put on a church service whether God shows up or not. 
And we're real good and we're real talented. And, and we are sometimes and in some places like the church that Jesus rebuked in the book of Revelation. They said we are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Oh, look at all that we have accumulated. Look at all that we possess. And we got churches today, and, and I'm not against mega churches. I believe mega churches have their place if they're under the direct leadership of a man of God, under the anointing of God. Amen, church. Uh, I, I, the, it's not the size of the church that, I, that concerns me, but, but it's the methods of the church that concerns me. But where we start leaning on talent, and where we start leaning on lights, camera, and action, and we start leaning on media connections, and we start leaning on the, the, the world system to promote our agenda, instead of leaning on the raw, uncut power of the Holy Ghost of God. Amen. And when we start leaning on everything else and not leaning on relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our midst, uh, we can create a very impressive uh, church building with a large attendance and the Spirit of God may not be at work at all because we're leaning on the wrong thing. I believe that if we're going to build a church in 2022, we need to build it with a firm foundation. And I believe that means that uh, if it takes a, uh, you know, when they build a, a skyscraper uh, like in New York City, do you know that they dig as far down as they go up above ground? That the foundation often is just as deep as the skyscraper is high. And you know, sometimes the church has to dig a deep and strong and firm foundation before you ever start seeing it rise up, you must first go down. And I think sometimes we build our churches on our pride and on our prowess and on our fiscal strength and, and, and on this and on that. And boy, if we had the right uh, speaker and if we had the right music and if we had the right this and if we had the right that and we got a, a whole array of an impressive show to put on and it can attract a crowd, but it's not a move of God, it's a move of man. And when the personalities leave, the people will leave. But God give us a church that is in order with that book. Amen. I, I'm not against good music. I'm not against, I mean, you want your preacher to be able to preach. You want your music ministers to be able to minister in music and, and all of that. But if we don't seek the power of God above all else, then we have failed as a church. I'm talking about proper order. I'm talking about making sure that we're lining up with this book and not just doing things in a desperate attempt to get a crowd. Uh, many today have many ideas for the pastor on what he should be doing different. Uh, I've even had people call me and say, Preacher, what are you going to do about the low attendance? I'm not going to do nothing but preach the Word of God faithfully and trust God to add to the church daily such as should be saved. I like what Adrian Rogers said. He said, it's, it's, not, it's not my job to fill the pew, it's my job to fill the pulpit. Now, I'm not against going out and going soul winning, I'll do some of that. I'm not against going out and visiting people. I'll do some of that. But let me tell you, we're not, going to, uh, we're not going to build a church relying on the energy of the flesh to get people to come in. Amen. I, I believe that every one of us should play a part in being a light in our sphere of influence. And if, if I would witness to the people in my sphere of influence, and if you would witness to the people in your sphere of influence, we could all collectively see God do a great and mighty work in our midst. And we can see people come from the north, the south, the east, and the west because the church is in unity. And it's not just like people in the stands cheering those on the field on expecting just a few to do all the work. Right. If we want to be a church in order, then every one of us as believers and as members of this church must find out the gift that God put in our life and go to using it for the edification of the saints and for the glory of God.
It's not my responsibility as a pastor to make up for your lack of uh, participation as a church member biblically. My job is to encourage you, to challenge you, even, yea, sometimes to rebuke you. Amen. It's in the Bible. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That word long-suffering is patience. I'm not to be a lord over God's heritage. That means I'm not to abuse you verbally or any other way. Uh, but with gentleness and meekness, uh, I am still to be courageous enough to speak even when it hurts first uh, before it heals. And if we're going to be in order with the Word of God, then we must elevate the Word of God above our opinions and what others may think or expect of us. And the Bible says that it is now the time. Uh, I, want, I want to pay attention real quickly to the sin of procrastination and its consequences. When we, make, we, when we put now on tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's agenda, uh, here's some principles for you. Proverbs 3.28, Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and, to, uh, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. God's essentially saying, here's the principle, If you can do it now, why not to tomorrow? Amen. And let me tell you, some people, you're not doing yourself no favors putting off getting right with God and serving God on another day. Because you're not promised another breath, much less another tomorrow. I say it is time to get right with God and serve your maker. John chapter 4 and verse 35. Uh, Jesus said uh, to his disciples, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And, and, and I, I think there's something to be said for planning. There's something to be said for preparation, but never at the expense of never getting around to actually doing what it was that we said we was going to do to start with. Y'all know this is the truth. We can real, real quickly form committees and have meetings and talk about grand and glorious plans, but the real challenge is to follow through with discipline on what we initially decided to do as a church. And if we're going to be in order, we need to learn how to follow through on what we say God's called us to do. Amen. And when we don't, we're not in order. Hebrews 4, 7 says again, He limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Week after week, Christians come into the assembly. They are convicted of their sin. They are challenged uh, uh, to, to repent and to get where they need to be with God and start serving the Lord. Uh, but week after week, they leave and say, maybe next week. Uh, they leave again and say, maybe next week. And then uh, before you know it, uh, they become hardened to the preaching uh, because they're tired of resisting the Holy Spirit. So they try to run and hide. Next thing you know, they're out of church for a year or two before you hear from them again. Uh, and all the time, they could of enjoying the, the victory of the Christian experience if they'd have just surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jeremiah 8.20 said, uh, spoke of a consequence of procrastination when it said that the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. God forbid that we come to the end of our uh, season of opportunity as a church to make a difference 
only for God to show us those that could have, those that would have been born again and a part of His church and the impact that we could have made if we'd simply been obedient to the Word of God. But many times we choose rather to fuss and argue over insignificant stuff while the world's going to hell. People are fussing and fighting and arguing over what color carpet to buy in a church. God help us. I've heard of churches splitting over uh, what brand of toilet paper that they need to buy and how much money they should be spending on commodities. Heaven help us. I've heard of churches with uh, millions in the bank, millions, and won't touch it because grandma that died three generations back said I dedicated that to the cemetery fund. It shouldn't be used anything but for that. And my God, they should be able to cut a thousand cemeteries for that kind of money every single month, every single week. At some point, we got to kick into common sense. Amen. And, uh, and, and be, realize that we're going to be responsible for we, what we've been entrusted with. And I've often said this. The church is not a building, savings, and loan program. It is not our responsibility to see how big and tall that we can get our church bank account. It is our responsibility to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, even if it drains our bank account dry this week, in faith believing that if God called us to it, He'll replace it when we have something else that He wants us to do. Oh, God, help us to get over our budgets and our uh, ideas of what we can and shouldn't do and start seeking God for direction. And if God says go, just do it and trust God because many brilliant and awesome and soul winning strategies have died at the altar of budget meetings I'm talking about getting in order with the Holy Spirit and the word of God say but we got to have order in the businessmen yes we do but it needs to be done biblically needs to be done biblically And I believe that a uh, business meeting needs to cultivate an atmosphere of faith and not of fear. Are we in order this morning? Can I get an amen from anybody? All right, don't leave me up here alone if you're in agreement, say amen. Numbers 32, 23 in context of the... Uh, of not going over to fight until all the brethren have peace. The Bible said, be sure your sin will find you out. You remember the story? There were two and a half tribes that wanted to settle early before they got to the promised land, but they weren't going to get off the hook with the battle. And so they made a promise to Moses. said, we'll go over and fight with our brethren that are going on over and make sure they get victory, and then we'll come back and settle with our wives and kids and and livestock and the man of God said all right but we're going to hold you accountable and if you don't fight until your brethren have peace be sure your sin will find you out I'm talking about the sin of procrastination and the sin of kicking responsibility down the road and ignoring responsibility is am I my brother's keeper I, actually we are amen we're to help one another and nothing grieves the heart. You want to know what grieves the heart of God? I believe that what grieves the heart of the Holy Spirit more than anything, I think you see this consistently throughout the teaching of the New Testament especially, is when you hold back what God wants released. 
You remember, I believe it was, was it Sapphire and Ananias? The two that sold some land. And uh, they come to the man of God and said, here's all the money. And the Holy Ghost said, that ain't all of it. And they said, uh, may you perish with your money. And they, dry, they died on the spot because they lied to the Holy Ghost. Saying they gave it all, but they held back part. You don't want to know how you're going to grieve the heart of God and stop a revival dead in its tracks is when you, uh, when you stop the flow of the Spirit of God's will and ways and works in your life as an individual and as a church. Many churches die in stagnation. They're holding back. They're restriction-minded, not release-minded. And God wants us to think like Him. For God so loved the world that He gave Amen. So we see here that the time is now for us to get things in order biblically. We see that the task is mandated. It said the time is now that judgment, what's the next word? Must begin at the house of God. The judgment must begin. The, uh, the word, uh, the Webster defines the word judgment as the right or power of passing sentence. Now, judgment must begin. Now, here's the thing. Churches are afraid of the word judgment because Jesus taught judge not. Am I correct? Okay, Jesus taught judge not. But we need to learn the difference between discernment and passing a sentence. And we need to understand the authorities that are allowed to do either. When Jesus was teaching, judge not, he was teaching you and I not to place ourselves in the position of God over somebody's life and, and assume their final verdict before, they're judged, standing before they stand before God. To not be God in their lives. But we are commanded, the Bible says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. What is he talking about? Well, if you hold yourself accountable to the word of God, then... God, on judgment day, will recognize that you have done so. Can I get an amen? All right, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man, listen to this, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto them. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But then it says, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. And simply put, I want to say this, all must pass the word test. And we must put the word of God on every situation. And this is something that we must do. This is a requirement. God says if you're going to operate like I want you to operate, you're going to have to line up with the principles of my word. And you must hold yourself accountable to my dictates and my mandates in the word of God. This is not something that you can put off if you're going to expect any success anytime soon. And I just say that we need to always make sure that we're lined up perfectly and entirely with the word of God. It is a mandate. Mandate. And then lastly, I want to say, not only is the time now, not only is the task mandated, but I want to say this, the turf is here. It says judgment must first begin, where at? At the house of God. At the house of God. Often we focus on other churches' problems, other per churches' 
issues. Well, we could talk all day about the crazy things we see in other churches, can't we? Amen. Are y'all okay? Do y'all need an oxygen mask this morning? <laughs> okay, good. Some of you are raised on this kind of preaching. You can take it. Amen. Uh, nothing, nothing wrong with saying right. Let me, let me say this. <laughs> you, know, you know who we need to focus the correction on? Us. Us. Uh, I'll give you a Bible verse for it. Jesus, <laughs> this is an interesting passage of Scripture. Let me read this to you. Uh, John chapter 21 and verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Now, what's the context of this? The context was... Jesus basically prophesied that Peter one day would die a crucifixion death. Then he looked over there at John, all lovey-dovey on Jesus, Jesus' best friend, and said, what about him? And you know what we're doing a lot of times in church, instead of looking in the mirror, we're saying, what about them? What about them? What about so-so? And a lot of times we measure our success or lack there based on what other people are doing or not doing. And if we can't sing like them, and if we can't preach like them, and if we can't do like them, then we can't have a church like them. And God is wanting us to get our focus off of everybody else, because here's what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. He said, in other words, Peter, it's none of your business. Amen? And I've found that the quickest way to repentance and a right walk with God is when I quit focusing on everybody else's walk and start focusing on mine. That's right. Amen. <laughs> so I say it's time to stop passing the buck and start taking responsibility for our own actions or lack of in all manners of life and faith. Uh we sadly have a situation in the Southern Baptist Convention that is bringing uh, a mar to the organization when leadership uh, tried to hide, deeply hide, accusations of, uh, of uh, people who were sexually abusing churches. And many of you know about that and read about that. Okay, you say, what's your point, preacher? My point is, it's time for us to judge ourselves. It's time for us to hold ourselves accountable and quit running and dodging and hiding from judgment. Because as long as you keep kicking it up under the rug and trying to hide it and pack it down, when it is exposed, it's going to be a Mac Daddy. And it's going to be a problem of epic proportions. Do you realize that the federal government has initiated an investigation into the Southern Baptist Convention over these issues? Absolutely. My point is this. If everybody in their respective positions of authority had held themselves accountable to the word of God, to the letter, those issues could have been dealt with years ago, and in some cases decades ago, and we wouldn't be facing these kinds of issues today. You see the damage that happens when we're not willing to talk about the white elephant in the room? 
So I'm sorry if it ruffles people's feathers that I call specific things out that we just want to be generic about. And let's just deal with principle. Let's not get specific. But sometimes we got to deal with issues. And we got to be real about it. And I know we got to be gentle. And I know we got to. But we also got to have a little backbone. And, and, and I can't make a, a strong point if I'm apologetic in what I'm saying. You know, we, we add so many disclaimers to our preaching that by the time we add all the disclaimers, uh, it is of no effect because of the traditions. Amen. We, speaking generally, say, I didn't come to church for this today. Well, neither did I, but here we are. <laughs> I told my son, I told my son, he heard the title of my message. He said, are you going to get rough or something like that? I said, I really don't know. I have my outline, but I don't know what God's going to have me say today. And now I feel like I'm in trouble with men. But you know what? As long as I'm okay with the Lord, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Now, I guess I felt led of the Lord to just give us a little jolt this morning. Just, you know, a little, hey, pay attention. There's things we can do better. There's things we're not doing we should be doing. And we better make sure that we're holding ourselves accountable to God's word in every instance, especially when it comes to how we're ministering to our community. And we can't hide and dodge because sooner or later, that which is done in secret shall be brought to light. One of your best defenses against being accused is being willing to be the first to admit your guilt and get it under the blood. Because once you publicly acknowledge that you're guilty before God and man if it's a public sin and you confess and repent of it can't nobody hold that over your head anymore because it's already out in the open you've made your public apology now uh, go and sin no more and watch God work in your life but when we uh, sweep things up under the rug and, and I don't know I don't know what all the Holy Spirit's saying to you this morning. I have no idea. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of agenda items on my brain. I'm just, as pre I am preaching primarily principles this morning. We've got to understand that to be in order as a church means to be in order with the Word of God. And, and God, back to the sin of procrastination, uh, when leaders put things off or hide things to try to protect the public image. And that takes and priority over, just, uh, over uh, justice being served to those who are abused. God does not take lightly when power abuses its responsibilities. It is our responsibility to be truthful, to be honest, to be bold, to be courageous, to be daring, uh, to admit when we've done wrong, and to try to rectify the situation. And it's not always easy, but doing right is seldom easy. But it's always right. My question for you today is, or rather my challenge is, for you to seek the Lord in your personal life and ask the Lord, is there anything or any area in my life that's not in order with the Word of God? That's not in order. And, and, and I'll, I'll uh, do more teaching, maybe, and preaching on this if the Lord permits another day. I think I'm uh, done for now. But I, what I want you to hear this morning is God is calling the church to order and never assume that you're already in order when the Holy Ghost brings it up.
I'll give you a personal testimony and then we'll close it out. Recently, the Lord called me to order personally over something in my life. I'll not share the details. Suffice it to say that it was something that it had not occurred to me that I'd even done wrong. Because men are men at best. And sometimes we just get it wrong. Amen? But the Holy Ghost brought it to my attention. At first, my soul was troubled, and I didn't know what it was, Brother John. So I had to go in my prayer closet and pray and seek the Lord and say, Lord, what is it? And the Lord brought it to my attention, and I immediately repented. I immediately got it under the blood. And I resolved to never do it again, so help me God. And that's where we need to be at. To be willing to admit that sometimes we may be wrong, even when we're not aware of it. But to be willing to let the Holy Spirit bring things to the surface that we have allowed to be buried deep for so long that it sounds foreign to us when God says that's not right. And it could be something as simple as a scripture verse, maybe that we never read, that we didn't even know was in the Bible, or maybe we read it and it never hit us right. And the Holy Spirit said, now, if we're going to move forward, we're going to have to deal with this. Amen, church. If you can receive this in love, say amen. amen. Everybody standing to your feet, every head bowed and every eye closed. Uh, Joe's going to play softly. I'm just going to ask you to pray right where you're at. If you want to come to the altar, you can. But let's just seek the Lord this morning and ask the Lord to continue to lead us and guide us and help us to navigate the waters that we are in today uh, according to the Scriptures and to be willing, if and when possible, or if and when necessary, rather, to make adjustments accordingly. Father, in the name of Jesus.